0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time now for one of our favorites and a veteran favorite on America's Web Radio, as a matter of fact. Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And uh, with what's going on in the Middle East these days, it's hard not to uh, remember them. And um, look for a reason why we're there. And uh, as I always mention, because he is full of information and history, get your pen and paper ready because we've got Philip Forsberg on, our host of Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Philip, how you doing this morning?
0: I'm well, David. Good. I hope you're well as also. Well,
1: I'm hanging in there. And uh we're uh ready to go with another Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm and like I said at the beginning the Middle East never seems to calm down. There's always friction going on, always something going on. And uh, it would seem that this time is, <laughs> of, well, right now it's going on more. And uh, who knows where, it, I don't think it'll ever end, but who knows what um, is going to happen next. And, uh, I don't personally think we've acted very decisively. And, uh, the, every time I hear the word hoochie, which is describing one of the terrorist group in, um, Lebanon in that area, I always come back with, do you remember hoochie coochie? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, well, what is your thinking about today, Philip?
0: Well, uh, I thought we we're gonna have a moment of silence to the Jodie.
1: Uh, that we are. We're gonna have a, a moment of silence and, uh, and then we will go from there to our normal. And, uh, I'm glad you reminded me of it. We always, uh, take a moment of silence. And remember those that have served and are veterans and those that are on active duty right now. So with that being said, we'll take out a moment and uh, remember those that have served and those that are serving. We'll be back in just a moment. to make sure that everybody's up and going and their hearts beating we do what they do in the army every uh, Monday morning and in anytime we have a, a veteran show on we'll be all right Bye.
0: Hey, oh man oh you man. can hang man you can hang
1: Pick 'em up,
0: first left, then the right,
1: And we hope that uh, you're feeling better and up and going with that cadence call. And uh, we all remember those from our time in the service, be it active duty or even just. Uh, as you're starting out in BASIC and AIT, you get those cadence calls. You get the Jodies that remind you of home and many other things, as a matter of fact. But they, uh, a good Jody always puts a smile on somebody's face. And um, it always does on mine on Monday morning. So with that being said, Let's get right into the show, and, you know, there's a lot going on, and there's always a lot going on in the Middle East, it seems like. It seems like they never stop doing their thing, whatever their thing is. I'm not real sure anymore. But, with that being said, Philip, you're doing okay, huh?
0: I'm doing well, David, and uh, pleased to be here. Super. uh, Okay? Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, just, uh, you talk about the Houthis and, uh, you know, I don't know how much people know about, uh, where they come from. They're, uh, you know, there, there's, uh, there's tension within the Islamic groups in, in the Middle East and, uh, and I don't, Pretend to understand it all, but essentially there are two sects of, uh, Islam and, uh, they, uh, you know, like most folks, they just can't get along. So they, uh, uh, you'll find that on the Arabian Peninsula, all the governments, all the sheikhs and kings and the leaders there seem to be, uh, of the, uh, I think they're, uh, Sunni, Muslim, but, uh, over in Iran, they are, uh, Shia, or Shiite, uh, Muslims, and they, uh, they don't, uh, the whole, uh, dichotomy arises over, uh, who should be the rightful, uh, heir of, uh, of the Islamic faith, is it, uh, is it a descendant of, uh, Mohammed or is it a descendant of some other, uh, clergyman or, uh, imam? Anyway, I-, I don't claim to understand it, but the, uh, what I found in uh, Bahrain during my travels there that the, uh, the, uh, most of the, the, ruling class were the, uh, Sunni and the, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the labor class were, uh, of the Shiite. And, uh, and of course the Shia were more numerous than the, the Sunni and they resented being, uh, they sort of downtrodden, if you will. Um, but anyway, uh, and that, you know, that goes back. And of course, uh, molt, you know, and everybody's favorite little paragraph there is uh, Iraq. And in Iraq, they have, uh, major populations of both Sunni and Shia. And, uh, so that's kind of a treat. Um, and so they, uh, they equally have, uh, trouble with each other. Uh, and so, uh, but Iran is primarily, uh, Shiite and they, uh, they don't mind, uh, fomenting trouble. So in Yemen, I think the government is primarily Sunni and the, uh, the Houthi rebels are the Shia and of course they're sponsored by Iran. Uh, and, uh, they, uh, been causing a lot of trouble, and they're they're being resourced by Iran, and uh, I just can't help but think, you know, when when I mean, it's bad enough when uh, we have uh, three of our soldiers killed uh, by uh, Iranian proxies in Jordan, but uh, you know, uh, th- this going on and on, you say, well, uh, you know, 167, 170 sound attacks on our people, you know, the, the, we've had three killed, but we've had dozens if not hundreds injured, wounded, uh, and I, I continue to hear um, people saying the, the most absurd things like, w- we're not going to tolerate this, but it, all it seems to me like we're doing is tolerating... Um, you know, I mean, what's what's your definition of not tolerating? Because you know, oh, well, you know, yes, we did we did have a uh, a response to that last one, but uh, just you note know, that in the response, uh, all the places that we attacked had been abandoned, and you have to question why. How you know? How could they have known so reliably that? Uh, that we were going to attack those places and, and evacuate them before any damage could be done. And, uh, there's only one simple answer. And, uh, if you look to, uh, previous comments by, uh, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, former, uh, Mark Milley, uh, he said that if, uh, if there was going to be an attack on China that he would called them in advance and let them know that we were going to do something. And uh, but there's not a link to uh, treason there. I don't. I don't know what what would constitute treason if not that. So uh, so now somehow uh, our adversaries, who we were going to ostensibly punish, uh, were not home when we attacked and uh, so you know the simplest explanation is normally the correct one and unfortunately I think we see what we have here it's a collaboration once again between uh, the uh, uh, this current administration and and, uh, the uh, our enemies our nation's enemies and I can't help you think that it's uh all directed by uh Xi Jinping in China who's uh no longer has to pay Joe Biden because he's all bought and paid for.
1: Amen. You know, with your your grasp of history and the amount that uh you know, I know that you know has there ever been a time that the Middle East has been at peace with each other?
0: Uh. Well. Um, no, I mean there, there have been there have been lulls, but uh, I wouldn't say that any times of of peace or per, any protracted periods of peace.
1: Hmm. Well, and look at what they've accomplished—nothing.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I—I I have a great uh, feeling of uh, concern for the people that live there, you know. And I'll tell you an experience I had in uh, in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. I was uh, I was leaving the hotel, going to the airport to come home. And there were two women in uh, some sort of Islamic dress uh, behind me, on the bench behind me in the hotel van. And, uh, you know, I've been told, uh, you don't want to uh, engage uh, their women, just, you know, be respectful. And uh, so I took my seat in front of them, you know. As we started down the road, they began to bang on my seat and, they, and trying to get my attention. They said, sir, sir, where are you from? And I said, I'm from the United States. They said, we are from Iran. And I said, oh, well, I understand it's a very beautiful country. And without any solicitation, they simply said to me, we just want you to know we hate our government. Um, I think, you know, that was, uh, that was their way of getting the message out that... Uh, there was a great deal of uh, dissatisfaction with the government in Iran I had a friend who was uh, from there and uh, as a young man I had to serve in the uh, in the uh, Iranian uh, Air Force Uh, this is you know after the uh, Islamic Revolution there and he and his family finally got out and he um, he said that uh, you know that they were a horrible institution that had uh essentially stolen the revolution you know that uh the people they were trying to get rid of the Shah and you know when when the power vacuum uh suddenly emerged these uh islamic fundamentalists uh, inserted themselves and uh, they uh they hijacked the revolution if you will hmm. and uh, you know in order to leave the country uh, his family was compelled to pay a great deal of money um, to the uh, to, you know to the government just just to get out of there they left with less than half of their family fortune and uh, were glad to leave so I think what you find it in uh, Iran is that uh, the, the people uh, are not represented well by their government. But that still uh, leaves their government in control of everything, and it's, uh, it's quite a quandary. I know that for many years uh, Saddam had uh, waged war against Iran in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and then um, when we went to engage Saddam, it was Desert Storm, Uh, suddenly uh, he decided that the best place for his air force was in Iran, and all those planes went to Iran, Uh, which I did not think that uh, Iran and Iraq had any good relations, but uh, uh, I, I couldn't tell you why uh, that was deemed a good idea maybe uh, we had suddenly become the great enemy of Iraq and they they felt like the enemy of my enemy is my friend so they sent their uh, their whole air force over to uh, Iran I don't know what uh, whatever became of those aircraft if the uh, Iranians were ever able to Use them, or maybe conscript the uh, Iraqi pilots into their uh, armed forces. Or I, I, I don't know; couldn't tell you. They, uh, I would, I would venture to say that the uh, Iraqi pilots were very glad not to be in Iraq uh, during that uh, conflict because uh, things got very heated very quickly.
1: You know, they, uh, it, it's amazing that there was nothing ever said about what happened to the Iraqi planes. Um, and I don't think, uh, Saddam got a chance to use them. And, uh, if he did, there wasn't much hurt about them, at any rate. Uh, it, the Middle East, you know, it seems like the Middle East only stand understands two things: money and war. And you know, they they take their money and spend it on war efforts. Um. What's going on today? Where we've given them money, they've sent it back to us in the form of drones and attacking us. And as far as I'm concerned, Iran, when they killed the three soldiers, they declared war on the United States. And to me, no different from Japan or any other country declaring war and or killing any of our soldiers... And we should act swiftly and very decisively. And we've done neither.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you know, it, it would, shouldn't take the death of Americans. Just, just the hostility toward our American troops. Should be enough. We shouldn't wait for people to die before we uh, before we respond, because the the, the things that had attacked our troops were not non lethal in any way. Um, so I, you know, couldn't couldn't tell you what uh, what they would uh, be doing. Uh, well, you
1: know, somebody questioned what, me the other day and said, "Well." uh When they attack U.S. property, well, a base in a foreign country is U.S. property, in my opinion.
0: And well, our, our troops aren't on the ground there without a status of forces agreement, right? I mean, so that so they're they're allowed to be there. You know, you can't uh you can't send your soldiers to a place and let them kill people unless you have a status of forces agreement or else you know they'd be charged criminally as murders. Um, so that's why the status of forces agreement is so very very important uh, and, but, you it, know, and it they, should pass are, from
1: it should pass from one administration to the next correct
0: yeah well I mean, this administration... I don't know what you would call this administration, the current administration, if not lawless. Uh, I have no idea why everyone is all a flutter in Washington right now talking about a... Uh, a new, you know, uh, immigration bill or something, you know, that's going to fix the border problem. Huh. Uh, the, the problem is they don't... They don't enforce the laws. So why on earth would you pass a new law? It doesn't mean anything. It's the ultimate in futility.
1: Well, again, we've got enough laws on the books. If they were just enforced, we wouldn't have this problem. And Precisely. You know, it's... Uh, again, I maybe I have a very warped view of the border but in my opinion these these illegals are breaking into my house and I know what I will do at my house if somebody breaks in and I think we again if you deliver a strong message at the beginning it'll last till the end yeah,
0: well, you know, David. Speaking of uh, breaking into a house, uh, we we'll go back to Desert Storm. Uh, there were there were the Iraqi army came in and and uh, they weren't they weren't just fighting against the uh, Kuwaiti army when they invaded. They came in with all sorts of violence, murder, rape, kidnapping, theft, lootings. Uh, burning, uh, things and, uh, destroying things and, uh, I guess their, uh, their overriding, uh, belief was that they would, uh, convince that the, uh, the Kuwaitis that they were all now subjects of Saddam Hussein and their country was now a, a province of Iraq and, uh, so, you know, that kind of leads me to a discussion of a little operation that's called Operation Desert Owl. And I don't know how many people, uh, know about Operation Desert Owl, but I was, uh, I happen to be, uh, fairly well familiar with it. Uh, you know, uh, in, back in the, in the 80s and, uh, late 80s, um there was still something called the Soviet Union, and uh, they had uh, declared that they were going to bury us in previous generations, and so we took that somewhat seriously. And uh, the unit I was assigned to as a pilot was uh, um, a military intelligence battalion uh, in aerial exploitation. We had the various aircraft that you know, could do imagery intelligence, like the OV-1 Mohawk that I flew. But we also had signals intelligence aircraft that would do communications intercept and, uh, direction finding. And, uh, so consequently, uh, we were back at lovely Fort Hood at the time, uh, well, now it's called Fort Cavazos, but Fort Hood, Texas, uh, and, uh, we had a, uh, uh, a mission for uh, Central Europe, and uh, the big concern was that the uh, Soviet Union was going to roll through uh, the Fulda Gap, Czechoslovakia, uh, East Germany area, and come across uh, and try to take control of West Germany and and points west of that, and. Uh, consequently, we were outfitted in our communications intelligence uh, people in our battalion the, with several linguists and they were of uh, you know, they had to specialize in various languages, so since we had a European mission our linguists were all Russian, Polish, Czech, and German linguists and uh, they were very good at it, but then one day we got the alert said y'all are going to uh, Saudi Arabia and you're going to collect on uh, on Iraq uh, and so uh, we found ourselves in it with a crying need for um, Arabic linguists and Arabic is not really the simplest language to learn it's not uh, what you would call an Indo- Indo-European language uh if you've ever seen their, uh, their writing, it's, uh, to me it's unintelligible, but I guess it, uh, it makes sense to somebody. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, um, so what to do? How do you come up with hundreds of uh, Ara- um, Arabic linguists who are skilled in the uh, dialect that is used in Iraq? How do you, how do you come up with that overnight? Uh, or in short order. And the answer was Operation Desert Owl. There had been, uh, met, you know, uh, Kuwait is a, is an oil rich country and, uh, consequently there were a lot of wealthy families there. And the, uh, the Kuwaitis, uh, had sent a lot of their, uh, young men uh, college age men to study in the university in the United States. And so, uh, so these were somewhat affluent, uh, Kuwaitis, and their English was good enough to, uh, do well in, in university in the United States, and their, uh, Arabic was, um, was native, and their, uh, and the dialect was, uh, they understood the, uh, the Iraqi dialect, uh, of Arabic and the Iraqi slang, Iraqi terminology, uh, understood it very well. So, what to do? Do we put these guys through, uh, basic training or, uh, what is it that, you know, we need to do with these guys? Well, what we wound up doing was, uh, uh not, not me, but, uh, uh, in the army they come up with this idea to take these young men he you put them through a quick school at uh, Fort Dix teach them how to you know march and salute show them what the ranks are teach them what, you know the customs and, and structure is in the army and uh, maybe send them to a rifle range and then uh, a quick school on uh, how to do uh, intelligence collection and transcription and uh and these young men showed up in our unit. And they showed up just in time, uh, in January of uh nineteen ninety one, um, just before uh we rolled into uh Kuwait. And uh these guys were just fantastic at, in their skill, their ability to uh translate and and, uh, do the net analysis on the communications net of the Iraqis. And they uh, they, uh, they were an enormous help. And, uh, I can still recall the day after the, uh, uh, the Iraqis had been pushed out of Kuwait, uh, and they were all on their way back to, uh, Kuwait. And, uh, so, uh, we, uh, we had kind of a tearful goodbye with them and, uh, a lot of hugs and, uh, w- wishing them well. And, uh, we had those, you know, that uniform they gave us, the desert camouflage. Uh, there've been many iterations of it, but this early on is the desert storm version of the, the camouflage. We called it chocolate chips because, mm-hmm. uh. Had kind of a brown and black uh, uh, sort of look, modeled look to it. It looked almost like chocolate chip cookies there. Uh, and you know, we had these silly looking hats that they had given us, made of the same camouflage pattern. I still have mine, and it has the signatures in Arabic uh, um, from the uh, from the Kuwaiti linguists who were with us in Operation Desert Owl. And uh, you know they wrote things on there like God bless you and you know thank you and you know uh, it was uh, it was a great time and uh, you know and I I was glad to see that they had been given their country back but you know a lot of these guys were going back you know they came from upper class families in, in Iraq and you know a lot of their fathers had been murdered their brothers had been murdered their why, their mothers, their sisters had been raped. Uh, their homes had been invaded, ransacked by these Iraqi soldiers. And it was just, uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't help but feel uh, a degree of uh, sorrow for what they had suffered. But uh, so kind of, in my mind, it made sort of the drubbing the that we had given to Saddam sort of worthwhile.
1: On that note, we need to take a break. We'll be back with Lieutenant Colonel retired Philip Forsberg right after this. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. Attention veterans, America's Web Radio has a contest just for you. We are giving away an AR-15 style weapon to a lucky veteran. If you are a veteran or active duty,
0: you can enter for a chance to win by submitting an entry form at americaswebradio.com slash giveaway. That's americaswebradio.com slash giveaway. Please
1: read the official rules for more information. Good luck, and thank you for listening. Are you a veteran of Desert Shield or Desert Storm? We do a show for you every Monday at 1 p.m. on veteran-owned americaswebradio.com.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And now back to our show, uh, remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm with Philip Parsberg, and uh, I've got to ask, uh, you know, like you said, you have a uh, a close relationship with your linguist. And, uh, you know, the hugs and thank yous when you left. Have you kept up with any of them?
0: I have not. I wouldn't know how to contact them. If anybody knows how to contact them, I'd love to have a little reunion with those guys and uh, hear what they had to go through when they went back. And, <clears throat> um, you know... I don't know, some of them may have pursued a, a military career in the, in the Kuwaitian military, but uh, i like to think they got their start in the U.S. Army.
1: Well, well, I bet, you know, and I have no clue who or where or how or anything else, but I bet there is somebody that uh, knows how to get in touch with one of those people that might know how to get in touch with many more of them. It, it would just be a matter of uh, hitting on the right person at the right time, I guess. And um, a lot of times that's easier said than done. Um, do you think that if that call went out today, that you could still get that kind of help from young folks there?
0: Well, you know, under the same situations, I would hope, uh, these guys were every bit uh, brave. And uh, I think, you know, when they were contacted by the U.S. Army, their first thought was that they'd like to go back under arms, you know, and, and drive the uh, Iraqis out themselves. Um, but, you know, they, we had plenty of bullet launchers there. What we needed was people that, you know, could uh, could make sense out of the language and uh, so they were very very useful in that you know and that brings up another thing David um, you know, during Desert Storm there were so many people and units that uh, that never deployed that you know were so consequential in the fight there were these uh, military battal- military intelligence battalions from uh reserve and guard units uh, that were the ones that, that trained up these 280 linguists and you know it, uh, and an operation like that is just mind boggling in terms of the uh, the uh, uh, logistics and planning that, that goes into it I, I was in awe of the people who had planned that out and, and executed it and uh yeah, it was uh, it was a wonderful
1: thing, I thought. You to your knowledge, were these people ever acknowledged for their service and what they did either by Iran or by the United States?
0: You mean like Kuwait?
1: <laughs> or Kuwait, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I you know, I, I didn't know. I would imagine that, uh, they probably received some heroic decorations from the, uh, from the Emir of Kuwait. Uh, on the day that the Emir went back to his country, it's back to Kuwait City, uh, I happened to, uh, be fueling up my Mohawk at, uh, a, an airfield called, uh, King Khalid Military City and, uh, Somebody pointed to this, uh, uh, luxury jet that was out on the, on the ramp there and said, that's the Emirs. He's going back to Kuwait. Uh, so I said, you're welcome.
1: (laughs) Is there any way you could go back to, uh, not necessarily physically, but, uh, via telephone or via some kind of communication with Kuwait and find out if they have contact with any of these folks.
0: I suppose, uh, you know, I would probably go through the, uh, the military attache there, uh, in Kuwait City. I think, uh, you know, of all the places in, in the Middle East, Kuwait's probably one of the safer places. I don't think, uh, whoever's running Iraq these days would ever think of invading it and I'm pretty sure the Iranians wouldn't uh, but of course they have no need of Kuwaiti oil because uh, they can sell all the oil that they need to to the Chinese thanks to uh, Crooked Joe yeah.
1: you don't even want to get most started on the oil industry <laughs> and what he's oh, yeah, done to he- it
0: a little bit about uh, petroleum there I guess David being from West Texas
1: a little bit yes sir <laughs> and uh, you know it's it's a shame that the general public doesn't know about the Permian Basin and the amount of oil we have at our disposal we don't need the Middle East. And if anything, they would probably need us, but we don't need them. And what Biden has done to the oil industry in Oklahoma and Texas and even New Mexico is just, you know, well, it's as bad as everything else he's done.
0: Well, I can't help but think that there'd be some sort of snapback on that. Um, I, you know, I, I think, uh, we get a new administration in there, uh, I think we'll be doing very well. I, I, saw a poll this morning that, uh, uh, among independent voters, people uh, identifying as independent voters, uh, Joe Biden has a 30%, 37% approval rating and a 60% disapproval rating. Hmm. And if that's, if those are your, uh, independence, then, uh, I think, you know, the man's in real, real trouble.
1: Well, in my opinion, he should have a hundred percent disapproval rating and, uh, no approval rating at all.
0: Um, uh, he gets 100% disapproval from me
1: (laughs) and from me and most of our hosts on America's web radio and we totally support the conservatives and those that love our country and you know there's a lot of talk among our hosts about the fact that how How could a whole administration not love our country? And that's really what it boils down to or they wouldn't take the actions they've taken. They just flat dab don't love us or don't love the country and what we stand for. And, um, like you said, I hope there is... I hope it breaks some necks when that snapback comes. And, um... We come back to a realistic government that believes in the Constitution and uh, will stand up for the Constitution. But people have to understand, and, and this is what worries me the most, is the administration bothers me, but the civilians and the people that voted for this administration, they scare me more than anything else. Because they're totally unrealistic. They totally don't listen to facts. They don't know history. And they don't know what's in store for them if we have another four years of our current administration. That's my opinion and America's Web Radio's opinion.
0: Well, I can't imagine that uh, this current state of uh, dissipation that uh, Joe Biden's going to live another four years, but if he does uh, he can't possibly uh, retire he's got to stay in office um, for the same reason that Saddam Hussein could not retire um, because he's you know, so corrupt and so abusive and so lawless that uh, you know, as, as soon as he's uh, out of power he's going to wind up uh, with the horizontal pinstripes for the rest of his life.
1: And I hope he takes his family with him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there'll be no cover at that point. I think, you know, part of the thing we need to really consider doing is, um, uh, you know, is really going through in earnest and rooting out this deep state um that you know they're they're embedded I know in the, in the Department of Veterans Affairs they're embedded in uh, the FBI and Department of uh, in Justice they're embedded in uh, universities throughout America and throughout Georgia uh, they're um, they're embedded in the Department of Defense at the highest level um, you know, uh, you know, George Washington came up with three general orders, and the first one is, uh, I'll take charge of everything within the limits of my post, and I'll quit my post only when properly relieved. And, uh, we have the Secretary of Defense, went to West Point, and, uh, well, made it to a four-star general, and doesn't understand that. And, uh, it's just, it's so telling, uh, that you have this sort of, uh, foolishness coming from, uh, people at the highest level. I, they, I think they believe that everything is, uh, you know, uh, easy and, and a joke and, you know, probably having, uh, come up in the army as a favored minority and skyrocketing to four stars, he probably thinks that, uh, life's pretty easy, and he doesn't know why everybody else can't do what he's done. Um, But I can guarantee you there are a significant number of more qualified people that have been passed over in favor of him.
1: I don't know what it was like as an officer like you, sir, but if I had committed AWOL... Or you had committed a wall. What would have happened to you?
0: Uh, well, that's what the UCMJ is for the Uniform Code of Military Justice, and you'd be tried by your command. And uh, you know, the best I think you could hope for would be some uh, non-judicial punishment. Uh, but uh, it's uh, you know, any any violation of the Uniform Code of Military Justice is. Uh, subject to court-martial. Uh, typically, you know, officers uh, would just have their careers ruined, but um, uh, it doesn't seem to be the case with the uh, current Secretary of Defense.
1: Well, you know, from a grunt standpoint, it would have been an immediate Article 15 in your 201 file And loss of rank. Whatever that rank might have been.
0: (laughs) Loss of rank, if any.
1: Yeah. Um, Um. And, and, you know, what's the old saying? What's good for the goose is good for the gander.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: I, I personally think that it Well, there's no discipline in anything today. And I think if Austin had been treated fairly, like anybody else would have been treated, that would have sent a heck of a message that, hey, this is serious business being in the military. And it's good for the lowest private, and it's good for the five-star general. I think he's a four-star, but anyway, you know, it should Well, he,
0: he was a four-star.
1: Yeah. And, and he still is, right?
0: Well, he's a civilian now. He's Secretary of Defense.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, it should have... There's got to be discipline. And if there's not discipline, there's chaos. And I think that's what we're going through in all levels of government intervention and anything is chaos because there is no discipline in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Um, well, we're, uh, we're five days into Black History Month, and um, I don't, I'm not hearing very much about it. And I uh, would have to say, more than likely, um, it's because they, uh, as you say on your commercials on your radio station, the, the liberal wokes have, uh, realized that a, a backlash is coming in their, uh, Uneven, uh, treatment of people, or, you know, singling out persons because of their skin color or their heritage for persecution, uh, it's very, uh, you know, it's disheartening that, that people can't see that, uh, that it's wrong, even though the law says it's wrong to you know, to treat people differently because of their race. Uh, there are those who uh, want to institutionalize it. And, uh, what we have now is sort of a modern uh, Jim Crow, the woke uh, new Jim Crow where they can persecute uh, white heterosexual Christian men uh, that seem to be the, um, the, the central focus of their... Um, uh, contempt
1: well we uh and i I know how you are and and I certainly appreciate it but however we do it or whenever we do it and I don't know that individuals will be able to do it but we need to get back to our founding fathers one nation under god and at that point there is no discrimination but you know we've got to get back to our our beliefs and our founding fathers and this you know this is one thing that i i certainly haven't heard anybody say it but I look at the my or the illegals coming across our borders and it reminds me of the mid to late fifties and early sixties that a whole race of people turned their palms up and the government filled them. And I think these illegals remember that and they're coming into the United States Saying, give me, give me this, give me that, give me medicine, give me my driver's license, give me, give me, give me. And we know where it came from. And I think this is a problem that we're going to face for a while if not a long while. But we have to face it and be realistic about it. The government, you know, here's a state that's broke and they're giving each illegal a credit card with a $1,000 on it, costing them $63 million. And where are they getting the money?
0: Um, Well, I I guess they're taking it out of the police department's budget.
1: Yep. And uh, and the governor that's doing this in New York wouldn't know to get in out of the rain. We We're a country of giving, but we can't give away our country. And that's what we're doing right now. And you know, in your experience, Phil, have, have you ever seen the U.S. any more disrespected than it is today by other countries around the world?
0: Well, uh, you know, of course, the Carter administration comes to mind. Um, we were pretty much a laughingstock during that period. Uh, and... Uh, you know, all the nations of Europe felt uh, perfectly justified to uh, look down on the United States uh, and berate us over uh, oh, what, what had happened in Vietnam and uh, any number of things. Uh, I can recall back then our uh, <clears throat> whenever we would have somebody come visit from. Um, from Europe, they would always want to uh, lecture me when I was in high school about uh, how racist the United States was, and if you tried to explain to them that our r- race relations in the United States is, you know, somewhat complicated, they uh, they would just hold that up as evidence that you're obviously a racist.
1: that's because they didn't know just like a lot of yeah. the wokes and everybody else they just don't know what this country is really about
0: yeah well I had a fella uh, <clears throat> try to lecture me about American politics when one day I was in Germany this fellow was from Ireland and uh I decided to put him in his place and tell him, look, I don't, I don't know the slightest thing about how you govern yourself in Ireland. If you have a king or a, you know, a parliament or what in the world you have. And frankly, I don't care, but I would never deign to, uh, lecture you about Irish politics because I'm smart enough to know I don't know anything about it. So why don't you just.
1: Shut up. Oh, would I have loved to have been there. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. And did he? Yeah.
1: Oh, good. You know, this is, uh, it's like our (laughs) quote-unquote news that is not news. And certainly when I started out in radio... I would have been fired the first hour that I was on radio if I did some of the things that are being done today. But, you know, it's, uh, it's just a changed world. And that's basically all you can say about it. It's, it's not where you and I grew up. And, uh, it's, uh, I just pray that the administration is changed and that a new and brighter day is coming for the United States that takes us back to our history.
0: Would be good. Uh, we need it.
1: That we do. That we do. But at any rate, it's uh, about time to... uh put the plug in the jug for this week and uh, as always want to thank you for all that you give to us and your experience uh, and thank you for your service and the knowledge that you bring to all of us when you do a show and uh, it's just amazing, and again, thank you for your service, and uh, we'll be with you next week. The views, opinions,
0: and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.